everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hello, New Point. How y'all doing today? So I'm here because Dwight needed some time to recover from that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's okay. Everyone, don't don't send any uh, uh, well wishes. He's doing great. My name is Jonathan. I am so happy to be here. I'm one of the pastors here, specifically the campus pastor at our Worcester campus. And I am just so glad to be with you. Quick shout out to all of our locations, Canton, Cambridge, Millersburg, Coshocton, uh, Dover, and let's hear you, Worcester. Uh, it is so good to be here. We are a church for anyone. We're a church for everyone. We are a church for you, no matter what stage of life you may be in. I don't know a better week that that was more evident than this last week. We had a storm come through and really, really uh, did some damage in a lot of our communities and counties. And I remember uh, picking up the phone, calling people on Tuesday morning, and uh, it was incredible, the response. It was always, um, hey, we're doing okay. We kind of got hit, but what can we do for others. I had a, a lady who uh, got some help and she went out to a donut shop to get donut donuts for the workers that had shown up. And somebody said, oh, you got a whole crew there. And she goes, yeah, I'm part of a good church. She said, that must be awesome. I heard that story and I thought, that's it. That's what a church is supposed to be, a church for people. So it doesn't matter who's on this stage. What matters is, is the people in our church. You are what makes New Point, New Point. And I wanna thank each and every one of you for that. It's Father's Day. And for, fa- for many on Father's Day, it's a great day to celebrate, to love our dads. But for many, Father's Day can actually be a painful day. Um, maybe your dad wasn't the best role model. Maybe uh, like me, you lost your dad at a young age, or maybe you didn't grow up with a dad. And regardless of of what maybe your situation uh, is or was, I want you to know something. We're here for you and we love you. And there is no faithful father than God, our heavenly father. And he will always be faithful to you. And I think that we can all agree that this world is in desperate need of more good fathers. In fact, let's just include everyone who's watching today. I think we could all agree that this world is in need of people everywhere who consider their sole purpose in life to be a person who who invests into, I think I got it right here, to be a person whose behavior, example, or success can be emulated by others, especially by younger people. In fact, that right there is the definition of role model, role model. And so we've got a lot of dads, but we don't necessarily have a lot of people walking in the role of a father, or like we sang about earlier, a hero. I mean, what is a hero? Our society, because truth and absolute seem to have fallen in the streets, our society can call a hero a hero simply because they look like one but I disagree. I think a hero is a person who models what the role of a hero is to others around them, but most importantly, 
to the next generation. So I am a dad, a father of four girls, four girls. That always elicits some type of response. Like it's either um, like, Lord, have mercy on you. Or it's, uh, yeah, that, that's a great thing. I, I got to tell you, it was unintended, but it's been amazing. Their ages are 18, 15, 12, and 6. So I had one that graduated high school this year and one that graduated kindergarten this year. So I am a bona fide girl dad, 18 plus years, and I'm proud of it. Any girl dads out there? Give you a little perspective of what it is to be a girl dad. All you got to do is look at our streaming history on any of our shows. You look on Netflix, you're going to see shows like Gilmore Girls. Okay, you're going to see shows like Mako Mermaids. If you've never heard of it, pray that you never do. All right. You'll see movies like Jim and the Holograms. And my oldest daughter, she loves the movie Newsies, not because it's just a good movie, but because Christian Bale is quote unquote hot in the movie. And it's not just my 18, my six-year-old. Last year, she's five years old. My Our preschool um, leader at the campus came up to me after and said, hey, you got to hear what your daughter said. And I said, oh boy, here it comes. <laughs> so she's five years old. She finds a Jesus doll in the classroom and it looks kind of like a Raggedy Ann and Andy doll, yarn for hair and a you know yarn brown for beard. And uh, she looks at this doll. She takes it and looks at the leader and says, um, who's this? And the leader said, oh, that's Jesus. My five-year-old looks at it and says, whoa, Jesus is hot. (laughs) So I don't know what to think about that. One, it's a doll and it's Jesus, but I'd rather him her like Jesus, I suppose. (laughs) So it comes as no surprise that on Father's Day, talking about role models, that I chose as a girl dad to title this message, I want to be a supermodel. I want to be a supermodel. So if you don't like it, bear with me. I promise there'll be something for each of you. In 1993, Charles Barkley made a commercial that was both famous and infamous. In fact, in it, he said some controversial words that uh, were like this. I'm not a role model. I'm not paid to be a role model. I'm paid to wreak havoc on the basketball court. Parents should be role models. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should be raising your kids. Now, as you know, this probably stirred up a lot of controversy, probably because most people did not understand what he was saying. Maybe they thought he was trying to just distance himself from the public and say, I'm not responsible. But I don't think that's what he was trying to say. I think what he was trying to say is that no one has a more important role in society than a parent does. And I think some parents would love to abdicate that maybe to athletes and celebrities, you know, but the truth of the matter is there's no one that has more say than a parent in a child's life. And I think this is what Barkley's trying to communicate, but he missed the point of something. And I think that's why it caused some controversy. And the point is this, is that everyone is modeling some type of role. The question is not whether you are or are not a role model, you are. You're modeling something in your good times and in your bad times. So the important question is, what role are you modeling? To arrive there, maybe you ask yourself this question, who am I 
And who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Now, because no matter what you do, you are modeling a role to someone, okay? You don't have to be a parent. You don't have to be a a grandparent. You don't have to, to be a manager or a leader. You simply have to be a person. Whether you're inside, outside, it doesn't matter. You are modeling some type of role. So maybe you should be asking ourselves or we should be asking ourselves on this Father's Day, not just celebrating, but all of us reflecting and asking ourselves this question. Am I who I want to be? And then take a look. Are my kids becoming who I want them to be? Is my spouse becoming who I want them to become? Is my, are my peers becoming who they should be? Is my coworker becoming the person they need to be? Because in the middle of that, when it all boils down to it, what you believe about your identity, it's up here, right here, Right there, it's coming. There we go. What you believe about your identity will determine the role that you model because what you believe turns into what you, how you behave, how you behave becomes what you're modeling to those around you. And so what should a hero model? I'm gonna give you two things a hero models and two things a hero does not model. So let's get into it. First thing is this, a hero will work to live life beyond the end. Live beyond the end. What do I mean by that? It's a little confusing. Follow me here. We are a society that loves a good story. Now, in life, we have certain milestones, right? We're born and we automatically have these expectations in us. Maybe it's to graduate high school. That's a pinnacle place in your life. Maybe it's to get married. Maybe it's to get a degree, get that dream job, whatever it might be, have a child. And the problem is, is because we live in a society immersed by good storytelling from movies to podcasts to you name it, we tend to look at these milestones as end goals that somehow if we arrive at them, we receive some sort of level of satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness. The problem is, (laughs) in most cases, these things are not The end, they're just the beginning. Case in point, my wife, she loves early 90s rom-coms, okay? Uh, In particular, the movie While You Were Sleeping. If you've never seen it, I guarantee you, your wife has. It probably was While You Were Sleeping. I mean, it's Father's Day. You got to throw out a dad joke, right? It's an unrealistic movie with unrealistic circumstances that in the end, it's always the same. I didn't intend to fall in love with you, but somehow I did. And then they get married and she's in her you know, wedding dress. He's in his tuxedo and they're both in the back of a subway and it's driving away and they're kissing. And we all know what happens. The credits come on, the title screen comes on. And what does it say? The end. As if they lived happily ever. Now, you only have to be married for six months, six years, 20 years. It doesn't matter. Everyone there knows that that's not the end. That's just the beginning. But the problem occurs when we begin to put our hope in those things. See, what a hero does is doesn't live 
before those moments. He lives, he or she lives past those moments, understanding there are gonna be mountaintops and there are gonna be valleys. And the joy is not in the arrival of these milestones, okay? The best day in my life was when I first became a dad. Any, any fathers relate out there? It was one of the greatest moments. I mean, you could have made a movie out of it. My wife coming to me with a pregnancy test. We're gonna have a baby. And you could hear the music and I spin her around and fast forward nine months as if she experienced no discomfort whatsoever. And we're in the delivery room. The doctor takes the baby out and said, Mr. and Mrs. Wood, you have a baby girl and they hand it and I wink at the doctor and I kiss my wife and it's roll credits and it says the end, except for it's not the end. Why? Because two days later, we can't figure out how to get her to stop crying. You know why it's the best day of my life? Not because anything I knew then. Y'all here? Not because I knew anything then. See, here's what I knew then. Nothing. Okay, here's what I knew then. I knew that I wasn't going to sleep for the rest of my life. I knew that I could mess somebody's life. That's These are the things I knew. You know what makes that? It's been 6,607 days since that day. The reason that is the best day of my life is because of every single one of those days. There were days that were days that I felt like I couldn't lose. I'm something. And then there were days that I felt like I couldn't uh, take home the class hamster for the weekend. I just was making that up off the top of my head. Couldn't lead somebody through the front door. Good times and bad times, but the joy is in the journey. And if you change the joy into a destination, you'll never get there. And you'll wonder why you can't get happiness. Uh, For those who are single, if you're waiting for just marriage to make your life better, guess what? You're going to be surprised. It makes life more fulfilled, more abundant. It's great but it ain't going to change and make your life better. It's going to make you have to work harder. Writer uh, Moses writes in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number our days. This is from a man who's mastered the art of living beyond the end. Technically, he's had so many ends in his story. We all know Moses. I won't go into it. If you want to look at his life, read the book of Exodus. You'll find out more. But here are some little known facts about Moses. Do you know that he was raised in Egypt in two cultures, both Hebrew and Egyptian, for 40 years? He wasn't a teenager when he left. He wasn't a young man. He was 40 years old when he left Egypt. This is when he decides that he is going to become a Hebrew. He sees an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew slave and he kills the Egyptian. He doesn't know anyone's seen him. So he he uh, thinks that he's gotten away, but Pharaoh hears about it and puts a, a <clears throat> call out to, to kill Moses. So he flees. The end, right? He was being groomed for royalty and he chose to associate with the Hebrews. After that, he spends 40 years in Midian with a family. He meets his wife in the Midian desert. Okay, these next 40 years of his life are fantastic now. 
It's like the Waltons movie, right? I mean, he's on the farm raising family. I mean, we don't have this picture of Moses that he was 80 years old when he went down to Egypt and God called him to to set the people of Israel free. We don't realize that he was 80 years old when he gets to the Red Sea. We all know the story, right? They're backed up. The Egyptians are coming to get them and destroy them. And the Israelites have nowhere to go. And Moses, he waves his rod across the Red Sea. It parts, the ground dries up so that the Israelites can all cross. In fact, we kind of got this picture in our head because there are a lot of movies made about it. And if you grew up in church at all, maybe you've seen a picture like this one here, right? They got this picture that Moses at 80 years old somehow climbed a big mountain, raised his arms, but in reality, he just, you know, waved his rod across. And this picture shows the majesty of the moment. You're like, wow, what a cool moment this must have been. The people of Israel are all walking through and it's almost like, Heaven is waiting right there, right? We paint this like golden light shining up above there, like this great, great, grandiose moment. It almost looks like a palace is over here. But what's really at the other side when God closes the sea? What's at the other side for the Israelites and Moses? It's this. This is what they get to see. Beautiful, right? Not just that, but this is what they see for the next 40 years, which leads me into my next point. A hero will work to live life beyond the end, but a hero will also learn to master the mundane. What's waiting for Moses? This picture, desert, hot, hot desert, no water. And he's gonna spend 40 years. There's not much excitement going on. They're simply going to follow Moses. A couple months back, we had a Leader's Edge event up at our Kenton campus. And at that, Kevin Warren, the president of the Big Ten, spoke. And when someone asked him about success, he said these words. I'll never forget them. He said, success is predicated on how well you master the mundane. Every day can't be a new routine. There's always someone else who would love to be in your shoes, so don't get bored and take them off. Moses knew that the people are going to spend most of their time mainly complaining, 40 years. Keep in mind, he's already past 80. These are the last 40 years of his life. The people are going to get bored. They're gonna whine. They're even going to attempt to overthrow him. They're going to say they know more than him. Any leaders, any dads, any moms out there? They're going to get so painfully bored that they're going to remember the days of Egypt. They're going to long for slavery more than where they're at. In fact, this is what they say, and I quote, well, kind of paraphrase here. (laughs) At least in Egypt, we had leeks and onions. I don't know, maybe some of you are onion people. I don't know too many leek people. Um, If you are, I'd love to talk to you after service and and what stirs that desire. But you know it's bad when you are longing, when the good old days talk is about leeks and onions. You know it's bad. (laughs) This is where they are. If you don't learn to master the mundane, listen, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. If you don't learn to master the mundane, you will always 
beautify the past and so be blind to your present, therefore sabotaging your future because you're always living in the past. Let me say that again. If you don't learn to master the mundane through contentment, you will always beautify the past. Oh, remember the good old days, leeks and onions. You will then be blind to your present, what you have, therefore sabotaging your future because you can't get there. All you're doing is looking through the rearview mirror saying it was better than it actually was. The greatest quality of a hero isn't their book isn't that they're bold, boisterous, or loud. It's that when there is no great act to perform, they still show up and they show up faithfully. They show up faithfully. Let me give you two things that a hero does not do. Two things that a hero does not do. A hero will not sacrifice someone's tomorrow for their today. A hero will not sacrifice someone's tomorrow for their today. In 2 Kings 18, it talks about a king. His name's Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah is one of those characters that I just love. He is a really, really good king. And a lot of you are not maybe familiar with him. So let me just give you a couple quick points about the life of Hezekiah. He is king when he's 25 years old. It says that he did what was right in the eyes of of the Lord. He was unsurpassed among all the kings of Judah. That's the kings before or after him. He destroyed the high places, Asherah poles, and sacred stones. This means he got rid of all of the idolatry, okay? And, and this is what it says about him, that he was successful in whatever he did. He's kind of like that big brother that just does everything right. This guy cannot mess up. But something happens in his old age. Pay attention says he becomes ill to the point of death. In fact, in chapter 20, it says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was to the point of death. The prophet Isaiah went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. I want you to pay attention here. Put your house in order because you're going to die. Isaiah is just real encouraging there. <laughs> it's like an encouraging word, right? Here's what we learn about Hezekiah through this time. Hezekiah has a hero complex. He knows and he loves doing what is right, but he somewhere along the line believes he's the only one that can do it. This is shown in this moment because go back to that slide real quick, because here's what Isaiah says. He says, put your house in order. This word is for all of us, by the way. Put your house in order because you will die. That's a truth. Y'all okay? That's a truth. What Hezekiah is so concerned about causes him to miss the first part of it. And all he hears is because you're going to die. So instead of putting his house in order, he begs God for healing. Oh God, you know what I've done my whole life. I've lived for you. I've served in the Sunday, uh, the kids class for 20 years. I've been serving faithfully. Like, why would this happen to me? God grants him his healing. What happens though, is that, um, he becomes healed and this small insignificant nation by the name of Babylon comes to pay him well wishes. And they say, hey, we're just checking to make sure you're doing well. You know what Hezekiah does? He takes him for a tour of everything in the kingdom. He kind of takes him through the Hezekiah Hall of Fame. Now, Hezekiah's done a lot of things. He has turned Israel around. Good guy, right? And he begins to kind of gloat. 
Look at this, look at that. Bible says that he showed them everything. So this little nation, okay, they leave and Isaiah sees them and he goes up to Hezekiah and says, hey, what were those guys there for? And he goes, they just wanted to see everything. They're from a small nation. It's called Babylon. I haven't even really heard of it. What'd you show them? I showed them everything. And something hits Isaiah, like God sends him a word and he says, I'll tell you the truth, that nation is gonna carry your very descendants. I've got the verse here. Your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs, slaves in the palace of the king of Babylon. I mean, that should make Hezekiah go, Ew, oh man, I didn't know what I was doing. How does Hezekiah respond? This way. The word of the Lord you've spoken is good. For he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? Hezekiah doesn't have the mindset that Jesus did, which was to lay down his today for our tomorrow. To lay down his life. Hezekiah is like, as long as it's good in my time, listen to me, listen. If in 40 years, our churches are empty, or have less people in them. It's not just because the music wasn't good enough. It's because we had too many Hezekiahs who were good in their day, but didn't pass the torch to the next generation. We didn't have enough Moses. You good? Second thing a hero doesn't do is let their shame disguise their past. What is it about our human nature that causes us to work overtime to hide all of our failures? hide all of our shame. I mean, the most interesting part about Moses's life is that God didn't choose the one who had a clean cut past, okay? He he had a problem with his speech. He became, uh, he was raised by the enemy. He became a murderer. He fled in fear. He was old. He, I mean, like by all means, you should have said, God, is this really the right guy? Maybe you should pick someone more like Hezekiah. He's the man. God chose Moses for a very, very specific reason. He lived life with everything he had. See, the contrast between Moses and Hezekiah's life is not seen in the scope of their earthly lives, but rather in the scope of their legacy, past their earthly lives. Listen to the difference. Moses allowed God to use his shameful past to display God's incredible power in him, and Hezekiah cashed in his legacy to be a popular king, to be a well-known king, to live just a good life. It doesn't mean he didn't do great, amazing things. It just simply means he was more concerned about his todays. And so I wanna ask you something. Are you sacrificing your today for the next generation's tomorrow? Are you too concerned about, well, what will they think of me? Oh, these rowdy kids. Oh man, can you believe when this generation grows up, how crazy is it gonna be? Or so are you then just ignoring it and sacrificing their tomorrow for your today? Are you hiding your shame? Are you hiding your past? Do you somehow feel like that gains you a measure of respect? Because what speaks louder than anything is showing your kids, showing the next generation what you really struggle with. 
A role model can really only be judged by one thing, the person they pass the torch to. Let's take a look at it. Hezekiah, he was succeeded by his son, Manasseh. Here's what the Bible says about Manasseh. He was the most wicked king Judah ever had. Tore apart everything his father had built and even offended God to the place where God had decided to send Israel into captivity, into Babylon. Moses, Moses had Joshua. We know Joshua, he said this, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In fact, it says that throughout Joshua's entire uh, time leading Israel, not one person, not one person turned away from the Lord. He led an entire generation of people who would follow God with all of his heart. How was Joshua made? By the hours and the mundane days that Moses would spend guiding the people through Israel. So I wanna ask you, do you wanna be a hero? Do you wanna be a supermodel? (laughs) A role model that gives of your life to change somebody else's. If you do, I want you to catch this last point. And it's this. If you want to impact someone's life, then you need to know something. It's never too late. It's never too late. I grew up in the 80s my dad was an alcoholic. He was a, he was a good man, but he struggled with this. It was his vice. It was his shame. He day in, day out believed that the answer to fighting this was not to drink in the house, but rather to run away. And so dad would leave for maybe three, four, five days, and we wouldn't know where he'd go. I grew up with this life for nine years. As a kid, wondering if I went home, was dad gonna be home? It would hurt and kill me every time that he wasn't. But something happened around my 10th birthday. My dad gave his life to Jesus and decided to make Jesus the one that would fight his battles. I want to tell you something. He had nothing to hide. We knew as kids everything because we experienced it. We went through it. But the day he gave his life to Jesus, something changed. He was different. I'll never forget it. Every day he would say, I can't believe how much Christ has done for my life. Every day he would say, man, what I used to long for, Jesus has given me. And you know what I saw as a nine-year-old kid? A changed person. I saw that Jesus could take someone who had a past that was was unchangeable, that had a past that was filled with shame, and he could take that person from the trash heap and set them high up with a purpose. And I got to experience that for a little under two months. 
before he had a cerebral hemorrhage in a car and died. He had a little under two months to model what it meant to be a hero to three kids who had experienced nine years, 10 years of what it meant to be a zero. And in just less than two months, taking his shame and laying it down to Jesus to see what Jesus could make from that shame would change a child's life and legacy forever. And not just me, but my older brother and my sister who are all in ministry. Why? Because years ago, before our dad went home to be with Jesus, he showed us in less than two months that Jesus could take your past and change it around and make it your victory. Are you, do you feel like it's too late for you? Do you feel like you got a sin you just can't shake off? Do you feel like you've got a label that just can't, you can't escape? Do you feel like you're too old? Do you feel like you can't make a difference? I want to tell you something with Jesus. You can do all things and you can change a life forever. Stop living from your own intellect and start living to make a legacy. Jesus can make you the hero you need to be. But what it got, what it has to take is surrender to say, I'm tired of appearing like something. I'm tired of showing a facade to a next generation. I want them to see who the real Jesus is. Stop pretending. Stop hiding your past as if you're telling someone you will have no struggles. Stop it. They need to know who the real hero is. It's God with nothing to offer but this. It's him and him alone. You want to make an impact for the rest of your life in your city, in your town, in your country. You're going to have to eventually say, Jesus, do something with my shortcomings and do something that will last an eternity. So my question is to you, will you let Jesus shine through you as your hero today? Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful that you don't leave us alone, (laughs) but God, that you take us and you make us into something that we couldn't have been on our own. You took Moses and you made him more than what he was. And God, our next generation needs role models, needs heroes desperately. So in this room and in every one of our campuses, will you ignite the hearts of people to rise up And begin to show this next generation who you are. And stop believing the lie that it's too late. Someone else will do it. Let them experience it starting today. We give you honor and love and praise in this place today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.